So I said, I don't care if you are a senator, this is River Heights Radio. <laughs> I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. We're here to talk about that tap dancing. Firefighting. Cat wrangling. Morse coding. Precarious climber. Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. She's the cat's meow. We've got a mystery that sounds familiar, but is somehow different. First page, Nancy is showing off her dancing skills to her friends. She's a dancing queen. And Bess says, that doesn't sound like a regular tap dance. <laughs> to be fair, this isn't a response to the book starting with the three words, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> like unnecessarily aggressive tap dancing. Right off the bat, they make it clear that Hannah is going to be much more a part of this story than she's been of any other book. We always wrestle with Hannah. Is she a mom figure? Is she an employee? Does she just do Nancy's bidding as Nancy makes the menus for the week so that Hannah can gratefully cook them? And in this one, along with Hannah being a peer, they start the novel off in a place where I wouldn't have even imagined existing in the Drew home, the basement rec room. Compared to Nancy tap dancing in like the tea parlor, mm -hmm. which is where I'd almost expect, mm -hmm. she's on what I have to imagine is like an actual small stage they have in the basement for doing stuff like this <laughs> I'm, I'm getting vibes of like you know wood vinyl and a maid who will hang out with you an updated feel for sure hannah says nancy why don't you tell the girls about your new mystery after all they've been invited to help solve it that's a funny thing to say about nancy's employees <laughs> and bus Ever the optimist. Another mystery? What's this one? Is this at least a good mystery <laughs> with no murders? <laughs> Almost. Nancy says, uh, this one involves a strange tapper. <laughs> so the book... A strange tapper. Don't worry. Everything's going to seem very familiar. It is very much the hidden staircase all over again. I'm going to talk a lot of architecture. Yeah. We're going to get to wonder how rooms fit into houses. Bess and George... They weren't there for the first one. They weren't one. there for the first one, so we can't really blame them for not realizing this is a complete repeat. Bess and George were on a probationary period, perhaps, at the beginning of their friendship. They didn't get to do mysteries yet or be involved with the books. Yeah, Bess and George do a lot of the work in this one. They do. So we know there's a strange tapper, an old lady... Has a strange tapper, noises at night. We need to go find out why. Immediately George goes, ah, ghosts. Yeah, best. It sounds spooky. And I don't know a thing about taking care of Persian cats because this old lady has Persian cats. So many Persian cats. And you'd think that that would require a level of uh, expertise. But Hannah immediately says, cats are cats. Carson says to Nancy, so you couldn't resist the challenge of another mystery. As if she ever can resist mm -hmm. the challenge of a mystery. And it just clicked with me. She's been doing work for her father for so long. It's the equivalent of saying, oh, you couldn't resist the challenge of another man. Oh, Ooh. another mystery. That's Ooh. not one of mine. Stepping out on your old dad. Nancy and her father had always been very close. Yeah, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Almost troublingly so. Mm -hmm. So they're driving to the old lady's house and right away they almost hit a little kitten in the middle of the road. Titian ball of fluff. I'm going to I'm just more confused about what color Titian is. It's like strawberry blonde, Carl. Don't you look at any of the covers? I feel like it's funnier if I don't know. Right? So <laughs> I don't know. Are Persian cats red? I didn't think so. Yeah, they are. Well, cats are cats. I looked up a picture because I didn't know that either. Apparently, I didn't know what they looked like. Bess immediately has this positive response. It's precious. 
she says, a theme that's repeated, that femininity and the love of pets go hand in hand. It's part of that mother instinct. Like the boys, whatever, they don't care about the cats, but Bess being the most womanly. And Miss Carter, who these cats belong to. Well, she's feminine enough to have been a 1930s stage actress. Yes, Miss Violette was her stage name as we find out. So she has quite the fine cattery. In the locked garage in a caged area where she keeps all her pets. That's <laughs> very reminiscent of Toto's special place in the basement. Mm-hmm. Like apparently if you have a pet, it's either just like free range or you have a special cage for it. While admiring this cattery, they realize that five cats have been stolen. A mystery in a mystery? Nancy is already letting us in on some architecture secrets about this house. The book specifically says the first floor was on ground level (laughs) just in case you were wondering you were also pretty mystified by this kitten acts as if it has been drugged okay now this is okay gonna be a mystery about two things (laughs) the architecture of this home and cats Cats. (laughs) 101 dalmatian style stolen cats and this kitten they found in the in the street is apparently exhibiting the behavior of a junkie i i don't know (laughs) it appears to be a drugged kitten i think it's just lethargic and acting confused which like yeah kittens are sleepy i don't know what you want (laughs) nancy had never been asked so soon after accepting a case for an explanation to yet another mystery nevertheless she hazarded a guess I'm not sure this is even true. I don't think it's true at all. Every time Nancy gets a mystery, she will immediately get a slightly more interesting mystery sandwiched inside. So this is the beginning of us realizing this is really George and Bess's case to solve. Because the cats live in the garage. And were stolen from the garage. This mysterious ghostly tapper. Back burner. Yes. We need to protect these cats. Mm -hmm. George is like, oh, I could just sleep in the garage. Mm -hmm. And Bess is like, yeah, oh, yeah, we could sleep in the garage. Mm -hmm. And Nancy's like, you won't mind if I don't join you. No, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an actress. (laughs) Like, I'll take the bed, I guess. I mean, you guys got it. And right away, there's an intruder. Bess and George awake the household. (laughs) Bess is very excited. I didn't dream it. This was the short, stocky intruder. This will be one of perhaps three pudgy men Mm. who are consistently breaking into this home. But I think that's the difference. I think this guy isn't pudgy because I think this is Fred Bontz. And that's why he's stocky. I just want our listeners to know that I will be making no effort to keep track (laughs) of which one's which. At any given time, one or more fat men are hiding in this house. For no reason, Nancy decides that the intruder must have a skeleton key. Yeah, that's the only way he could have gotten in. They're attacked by angry dogs and Nancy uses a hose on them to get them to go away. The cats are described as like climbing on every level of the barn, like cockroaches when the light go on (laughs) this invites the dogs which belong to no one i think they're fred's dogs it doesn't say the next door neighbor fred is like shut your cats up and she's like they're not that loud and he goes but the dogs are at risk of making them more mad at her by spraying them with water yeah yeah, that's not gonna help that much mr bunce is mean he's the neighbor and he wants the cats gone miss carter needs the nice livelihood that these cats provide her. She's so good at having cats that in order to calm these down, she goes into the the garage and like one by one names and calms them. She's like, Agatha, be good. Chauncey, your father would be ashamed. 
Serpentine. <laughs> you have trauma connected to your mother. Like, she's just like... I'm pretty sure they're all theater references. Sure. I think I think I nailed that. I think those were... I think I just did three theater references. <laughs> a name for every cat mm-hmm. and a story for every cat. And her plan is just to, to sell them. So Mr. Bunce is just like, uh, you better move. And then that means she might have to move. And that would be terrible. Yeah, that would be awful. A thought occurred to Nancy. If Miss Carter should decide to move away, the mystery of the stolen cats and the tapper might never be solved. She was determined to clear up both mysteries. So this could not happen. And to be clear, <laughs> this could not happen doesn't mean Carter moving away. She doesn't care about that. What could not happen is that they're not solved. Yeah, she needs to know at this point. So they all sit down for some midnight lemonade before they go back to sleep. That's so gross. I, know, I don't know why. Some hot lemonade before bed? I guess. George has decided that she really likes sleeping in the garage. It's cooler out here than in the house. It's really rad out here. This is where the cool kids sleep. <laughs> yep. Nancy has to leave for rehearsal, so she tells Miss Carter, I'm afraid that I can't play detective tonight. We were both blown away by the wording. What is Nancy's position on what she does? Maybe this connects again to the fact that if she's working for her dad, she's a detective. But if she's doing it as a favor, it's a little game. Miss Carter basically asks, Bess, what about you? Do you have somewhere to go? Yeah, what about you two? You guys are also detectives? Uh, um, no. Uh, there wanna... were four O's in this no. <laughs> but I hate to stay here without Nancy. I'm not much of a sleuth. We literally get to watch in real time as Bess decides whether or not she wants to continue existing while Nancy doesn't, doesn't observe her. <laughs> Nancy doesn't have very many lines in this play, but she does have three tap numbers. Yeah, you know, one of those plays where you have a few lines and several tap solos. And now we find out that Miss Carter used to be an actress. Not just any actress, but she was in The Dancer (laughs) and the Fool. She's so sad that she had to retire. But she played in all these plays, to be clear. But the only one we ever hear about is The, the Dancer, Dancer and, and the, the Fool. Fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on Broadway in Frozen for like a bit. But like, The Dancer and the <laughs> Fool was where I really cut my teeth as an actress. <laughs> Miss Carter implies that maybe that's what Nancy will want to do with her life. And Bess is like, oh, no, no, no. No. This... Nancy wouldn't give up her detective work for anything. Now and then, she does other things like the play but she spends most of her time solving mysteries you're adding this to your pile of evidence that nancy drew is adhd aren't you nancy drew is so much a detective that even when she does other things she is being a detective the case always follows her as we continue towards nancy leaving we get a phone call from the police they're stopping by regularly on their rounds and big news (laughs) laboratory tests showed that the sleepy kitten had indeed been drugged i'm boggled Mm-hmm. by the levels of competency that the police will be showing throughout the book. Because these are people who are going to say at some point, we don't have enough men to actively help you with this case. While also saying, if you give us kitten blood, we'll test it for drugs. <laughs> so no problem, we'll do that. George has some theories about the strange tapper. She says, maybe he wants to be thought of as a ghost and scare everyone away. Who are we talking about here? Willie Horton? Yeah, no. what is this, Willie Horton? <laughs> no, it's Gus It's Wooten. Gus Wooten, if it's different. <laughs> So when that gets poo-pooed, George says, perhaps the tapper is a nut and just comes here to have fun scaring people. And she is almost correct. George's technique of immediately solving the case without evidence, (laughs) I think it shows a lot of ambition. 
also shows how masculine she is. <laughs> She'll cut through the bull. <laughs> Clues? I don't need them. Maybe he's a nut. But Nancy, Nancy says, says, I'm sure there's more to it. Now we're introduced to a subplot. Toby Simpson comes to the door and is sent away because Mrs. Beeling, that incompetent nurse, nurse? Uh, she doesn't know that Miss Carter used to go by Miss Violette. Her ex-lover. From the dancer. From the dancer and the, the fool. fool. <laughs> uh, the, the fool. He comes to the house where he believes this woman to live, who he used to love. He knows that Miss Violet was her stage name, but she never allowed anyone to call her anything different. So he says to the woman at the door, does Miss Violet live here? And she's like, no. And he's like, okay. I, however I learned that Miss Violet might live here is apparently not enough evidence that I would say... It's a stage name, or she was an actress, or can you check? Nancy jumps into gear and goes on a high-speed car chase, driving as fast as she dared. The stoplight stopped Mm -hmm. her, and she never caught up with the red convertible of Toby Simpson, who never came back to the book. And It's gone. We're fine. It's done. It's very sad. Don't dwell on it. They decide they should investigate the attic, and Miss Carter says, don't be surprised at what you find. She's got some uh, skeletons in the closet up there. (laughs) Nevertheless, the three girls were not prepared for the amazing assortment of objects. Chests, a battered white wooden horse, (laughs) forms with costumes, and a mummy case. (laughs) Bess, oh, this place gives me the creeps. I could imagine some of the figures coming to life. (laughs) To which Nancy immediately says, maybe we should split up. (laughs) (laughs) She immediately suggests that she not spend time with Bess. Nope. Nancy's on my team with this whole architecture thing. Mm-hmm. It was not long before Nancy found a crossbeam <laughs> in a side wall, which she thought was not necessary to the construction of the building. <laughs> I, I know that she's looking for secrets, but I also like to think anytime she goes into a building, she's like, <laughs> is this an efficiently built home? She did read that book about tunnels and passageways once. Did you know that tunnels and passageways <laughs> often have rooms off of them? <laughs> They find a dustless square on a dusty surface. Nancy leaves to go home to get ready before her rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And she's followed by a black sedan. There's a man driving a sedan who is pudgy. And double chained. Small nosed. The point is he's hideous. He is one of the three pudgy men who at any point may be a danger to Nancy Drew. It's a good thing Nancy headed out with plenty of time. Well, she usually takes the shortcuts, you know, yeah. the ones through the abandoned roads here in River Heights between Miss Carter's house and the theater. She decides she's better not on this occasion. Better not take the abandoned ones. She notes his license number. I'll find out who he is. She thinks to herself. And then in all caps lock is the word INSTINCT. Instinct told Nancy not to go directly home. No doubt that man behind me wants to find out where I live. Well, I won't let him. I hate to ruin the surprise on this one. He or one of three men find out where she lives later. What's important is she's not safe no matter where she goes. So she goes to her dad's office. She smiled that her ruse had worked. She says to herself, if that pudgy man saw me coming into the building, I guess he's pretty confused by this time. Just love the delight she's finding yeah, yeah. in he's probably He's probably out there like, does she live in this building? So we get to see Miss Hansen again. The secretary. Something's on 
your mind. I can see it in your eyes, Nancy. Nancy laughed. You're right. I've just shaken off a man who was following me. Miss Hansen gasped. And again, I think we're meant to see that Nancy is no typical woman. That the, yeah, the typical yeah. woman would be much more horrified mm -hmm. by this circumstance. But Nancy keeps her cool and like goes to her dad's office. And I wonder what's the like the equivalent of modern day horror. How how extreme does something have to be for us to be? Like, what? In the same way that Miss Hansen was. Nancy is the epitome of womanhood because she knows when to seek male assistance. Ooh, very nice. Carson, his eyes are twinkling as usual. I have a feeling this isn't a social call, he says to Nancy. And after Nancy tells him what's going on, he says, I don't, I don't like, like this. <laughs> that understatement to us expresses the understated way that the horrific danger that exists in this book is treated. Hope and I were taken aback by the crimes being committed. They creeped us out and everyone else is like, hmm, quite, quite ungood. Puzzling was the number one adjective that they <laughs> used to describe this case. I'm like, no, it is terrifying. So you look up the plates? Right, so like a pretty big clue, Carson Drew's friend had his car stolen, so the person who was driving it, oh, sorry, let me check my notes. None of this matters. <laughs> the friend doesn't come up again. No. And the man driving the car didn't steal it. He rented it. Yeah. From someone who stole it. Carson, you've proven to me many times you know how to take care of yourself, but I can't help worrying about you. When Nancy gets home, she receives a telephone call. Immediately. And she right away says, who are you? And the stranger says, I'll tell you when I come. I think you have some secrets I have to have. You stay there in your house. I'll be right over to get them from you. It's like low-key friendly. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even menacing. Nancy's sitting here lost in thought by the door waiting. And Hannah's like, what's up? And she's like, oh yeah, I just got a call from a guy. And she's like, um, no. Sorry, what? <laughs> we are not answering that door. You are hiding. They hear someone knock. They ignore it. They knock again. Ignore, ignore. Finally, they go away and Nancy hears the phone ring. She answers the phone and it is... Ned! Remember me? <laughs> I didn't think there was a sadder way for Ned to introduce himself <laughs> than he did in the last book. Remember me? I... I'm supposed to have a date with you tonight to take you to the rehearsal. Which, to be clear, there is not a date. We... That's a ride. Ned. With an N? <laughs> oh, Ned. <laughs> so it's determined that he will come back, but do staccato on her doorbell so she knows it's him. They have a meal of roast lamb, peas, mm. and raspberry tarts. The first of many meals in this book. If you thought that we were running behind in all the other books on meals of the book. <laughs> it's ketchup time, gonna... baby. Sorry. Go That's on. a good pun. <laughs> Ned and Nancy concoct a plan to exchange cars at the end of the night so that... So that people don't know... Mm -hmm, who Nancy is. Or why they did that. <laughs> yes, and so that we have to listen to them every time they have to switch cars for the rest of the book. It's always a little bit monotonous in these books when mm -hmm. they feel the need to describe to us how every car got to every place. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like this book takes it up a notch for just no reason. I don't care whose car they take. And poor Carson, his... His caseload's getting so heavy, he gets confused about which book it is, and he insists that Nancy wears dark <laughs> glasses and a scarf whenever she leaves the house, which never gets mentioned again. Call yourself Debbie, too? <laughs> 
everything's going to, to plan. Nut is sitting watching the rehearsal. Mm. A really good date idea if you're looking for a date idea. <laughs> and he receives a handwritten note. You are to get out of the picture. Nancy Drew has another steady now. Come to the corridor and you will find out. <laughs> I like that Ned reads this and he's like, this guy could be trouble for me. Look how well spoken he is. So Ned sends this ne'er-do-well reeling. He gets punched out, though, in the end. And Nancy sees this from stage. Runs off right before she's supposed to perform. Do you imagine that, like, the doors of this auditorium are just open? Or yeah. how does she see this? Yeah. I was imagining they were, like, bar doors. So as they as he goes, that's like they're swinging and she's no. seeing, like, moments of this. No, I was imagining them open. She finds a key on the ground, which we know will, of course, be important at some point. So Nancy really doesn't help the situation. And when she goes back, Mr. Skank had some pretty harsh words for her. You do not run off stage when your director is directing you. Some girl, though, stands up for Nancy. You don't know it, Mr. Skank, but Nancy is an amateur detective. She probably had to leave it in a hurry in connection with some case. Mr. Skank made no further comment, and Nancy performed perfectly. The director, who, if he doesn't know Nancy Drew, is clearly not from River Heights, is just like, I feel like this is all they talk about, and I do not want to engage. Yeah, on the ride home, Nancy admits nothing's making sense, and Ned says, you've had a big day. (laughs) They're there, dear. When they get home, Carson is watching a late movie on TV. Ned says, I had a chance to wallop that guy who was following Nancy the this afternoon <laughs> carson grins good for you did you put him in the hospital will your bloodlust never end carson <laughs> Ned, i wish i had oh my gosh yeah this this, this continuing theme that men must be rearing for a fight the violence is part and parcel of masculinity hannah makes ned a cold compress and uh he suggests that she market it quick cure quick money is his slogan hannah says i'll think about it we were saying is like nancy and carson sit there like making like shut up stop noises yeah we don't we can't lose her yeah (laughs) nancy rejoins the girls a lunch of chicken salad fresh tomatoes and a big big chocolate cake i'm starting to think it's not a typo that they keep saying um instead of yum (laughs) i don't know if like the y was invented in the 80s or something i don't know what happened but (laughs) yum is what peasants say carl um cotton candy (laughs) it's our diet chapter of the book if you thought best hadn't been fat shamed enough in previous books we're catching up on that too george says severely best marvin you leave that chocolate cake alone. Every time you take off a few pounds, you put them right back on. I, I don't know what in the door of the explorer this is. Bess looked at the case wistfully. Should she pay attention to George, who she knew was right? Or should she enjoy the luscious dessert? <laughs> what do you think, reader? You said case instead of cake. Oh, I've read this whole book wrong. <laughs> So Bess says to herself, I won't decide now. Maybe, just maybe, I'll be satisfied with the chicken salad and a little bitsy piece of cake. Lies are always calorie free. (laughs) Sadly, this did not prove to be the case. And later when Bess cut a slice for herself, it was so wide that even (laughs) Miss Carter had to laugh. So much said in so little. She didn't just laugh. She had She was unable to contain. Even Miss Carter really implies... Everyone else. Everyone in the room is laughing at Bess Mm -hmm. as she struggles to lift a piece of cake so wide (laughs) that it comedically cannot stay on the fork. 
So we talked about how wide would a slice of cake have to be for us to not just laugh, but have to laugh at our friend. Laugh <laughs> at our, our friend's indulgence. Yes. We decided, okay, so there's four people there. Yeah. It's got to be enough that everyone else could not share equally. So it's more than a quarter. Yeah. And I think part of that's true because if we're thinking about a round cake, the second the angle of your slice becomes obtuse, it's a little bit funny. For me, it would still have to be most of the cake or like one of those things where you slice the slice, put it on the cake stand and take the rest. But that's best trying to be funny. And she's being very sincere in her choices, which is why we came down to what I think is a genius dessert solution. It's a square cake. It's a sheet cake. If we consider it's a sheet cake. Now it's pretty funny if you've got such a wide slice that it's not even a square of cake anymore <laughs> and you're trying to maneuver that long snake yes. of cake <laughs> snake of cake yes. onto your plate that is hilarious perhaps folding it on top of itself <laughs> well we're not we may we may find it funny but we're not gonna we're not gonna make best feel bad Ms. in fact carter eased the tension yep i've always felt that the place for a diet is in one's own home not in someone else's. Okay, let's make her feel better. Uh, in fact, it works. Yes. Best beams at her. I could hug you for that, Miss Carter. If you're dieting at home, and this is what they always teach you, you choose what's in your cupboard. And you have safe choices in your cupboard. And she cannot choose to do that if she's always living this mystery-solving life with Nancy Drew. It's almost rude to flaunt your diet, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to make a show out of what you're eating. For instance, you don't want to take so much cake <laughs> i'm almost like is she rebelling against george that I does seem george, like it happens right yeah i think george just makes it worse because every time george is like do you want carrot sticks we just get like these moments of Bess staring her in the eyes as she just pours chocolate into her milk just mm. like what are you gonna do are you gonna stop me yeah are is your bony little butt gonna come over here and take the chocolate from me i will end you george now miss carter has formed a bond with Bess. they do uh, seem to be pretty close for the rest of the book later a neighbor is bringing miss carter shopping and Bess says bring home something extra special to eat will you this time mrs Beeling laughs at her mrs Beeling is a confusing character who often doesn't seem to serve a purpose and is just doing the same thing Bess is doing. So the fact that she laughs at Bess here is actually kind of odd. Later when Bess accidentally wakes Miss Carter up, Miss Carter gave the girl a most engaging smile. When I take a nap, I'm practically unconscious. <laughs> Bess feelingly, please go back to sleep. When you wake up, I'll bring you tea and cookies. Miss Carter, that's very sweet of you. Bess has trauma wrapped up in food and that's how she shows emotion. Best friends for life. Is there a way that people nap that isn't unconscious? <laughs> Did I miss, like, I miss something there? That's usually how you do it, right? Yeah, the odd thing is that she's practically unconscious. Like... So the chest in the attic has been moved again. Nancy points out that the basement is smaller than the first floor. It's a good architecture find. It's not unusual for the basement to be any number of different sizes than the first floor. Nevertheless, George and Nancy are determined a wall should not be there and that they're going to remove it. You really have two options. It's going to be an interesting clue uh, or so much foundation damage. Mm -hmm. They're not just like, oh, there's a wall in the middle and I, I really think we could open up the area down here, give her a mm -hmm. basement rec room. No, they're like, this wall probably should be here. Let's find out if there's like dirt or a colony of rats or... <laughs> 
pathetic best says, Be careful! We don't know what may be behind that wood. Some hidden object could shoot out and harm us. <laughs> and what they find is an entire apartment. Yeah, George uses a hook and they remove this wall and it's a secret room. Oh, girls, this is a wonderful clue. Is that a clue or is it a discovery? Like at what level? Yeah, at what <laughs> level are you no longer finding clues so much as finding out someone's living in your walls? <laughs> Which is treated like bad, but not as bad as it is. I don't think it's treated as bad as a drugged kitten. No, Bess can tell that the bed was slept in recently. Yeah, she like reaches down and <laughs> like feels for warmth and smells for body odor. She's like, yeah, someone here recently, practically unconscious. Luckily, that key opens all the cupboards, which are for some reason lockable and locked. Yeah, specifically Nancy had thought that the key she found was a car key, but nope, it's a cupboard key. <laughs> And I guess it's good that she has it, but I think if you're in a home where you have permission to take down basement walls, you could break into the cabinets if you want. It's not like you're not respecting the privacy of the man who lives in your wall. The cupboards are full of books, boxes, letters, papers, and a diary. Of all these clues, only the diary gets read. And the rest she just locks back up. And the diary, the notations in it were startling. Yes. Gus Wunton is the writer. One of three pudgy men who may be at any point <laughs> in Nancy's walls. Miss Carter at this point permits Nancy to ask her dad to help because he's good at missing persons. It's a missing person is the opposite of what this is because they kind of found a person in their home. <laughs> but the person says, you better come home as soon as possible, which I think was just him worrying about her. Nancy is as ever just enamored with him and says, oh, dad, you think of everything. And so Hannah decides to visit Miss Carter and Mrs. Beeling is delighted that her friend is coming to visit. Yeah, that was the connection with Miss Beeling is Miss Beeling is Hannah's friend. And that's how they know about this case. But there's no reason that Hannah couldn't have just been Miss Carter's friend. Yeah. It would have made more sense, but here we are. Of course, Miss Beeling speaks very highly of Hannah, saying she's such a capable person to have around. To which Nancy says, she certainly is. <laughs> If there's one thing I would say about the woman who has raised me as if she was my mother, it's that she is, um, capable. Uh-oh, guys. George and Bess are in trouble. They forgot to go to a party. No, that's They're right. They're late to a party. There's a party. They have to go to a party. Nancy, you always pick up such fascinating mysteries. You make us forget our duties to our aunts and uncles and cousins. Boss, you give me such fun work to do, I forget that I had an obligation. <laughs> it's like both butt kissing and making an excuse. Since George and Bess have to go to the party and Nancy has to go to rehearsal, Detective Hannah is on the case. It's like being like the secretary of education <laughs> and being like 11th in line for the presidency or something. Like, well... <laughs> Literally anyone who could solve this case is uh, busy, so, um... Okay, Hannah. Hannah? <laughs> Nancy, this is the first time I've ever tried to substitute for you in solving a mystery. <laughs> Nancy says, well, maybe you'll solve it while I'm gone. Mm -hmm. To which Hannah says, I don't think so. Not much likelihood of that. <laughs> uh, the actress uh, reassures them that probably nothing bad's gonna happen now anyways. After all, it's said that bad luck comes in threes, and I've had mine. And it's true, she's definitely had at least three bad things happen to her. Cat but stolen, person living in her wall, broken leg for some reason. What else? Well, 
That's her list yeah. is she broke her leg. Yeah. Then there's a mysterious tapper and finally stolen cats. And I just feel like that's not how I would make that list. No. I would say Mm-mm. the love of your life missed out on finding you and has driven away in his red convertible. There's a man living in your home. <laughs> and your cats are going to be taken away by your neighbors so your livelihood will be gone. <laughs> But yeah, the tapping is bad, I suppose. Nancy makes it home and can't figure out what's missing from her home. It's the smell of love in the air. The aroma of Hannah's special concoctions. She thinks wistfully it's just not the same without Hannah there. I like that it goes directly from her saying it's just not the same to her cooking dinner. And it's like, okay, I see what you're saying here. There's another date, if you can call it that, where Ned brings her to rehearsal. This time he decides he would like to play detective. And look around. <laughs> I just, anyone know what detective is other than nancy he smells some smoke goes and empties a fire extinguisher on the fire that's not enough to put it out luckily nancy's on break and uh she finds the fire too nancy goes to find help and she is locked in she almost panics carl she raps on the doors but no one can hear her over the orchestra orchestra, (laughs) apparently not on break Uh, for a moment nancy panicked the situation was desperate but she gets a washcloths she soaks them in water she puts them over their faces finds another fire extinguisher that was like right there the whole time on the wall and then she does the smartest thing of all she leaves when someone opens the door for them but like behind the door is like i can't open it until the fire's out then nancy scooted up and explained what had happened I would say this is the first time that we've heard about Nancy scooting anywhere. Yeah. And uh, what a weird time to do so. And she's a bit defensive. What are you guys doing down there? She goes, well, this is my friend, Ned Nickerson. He found the fire. We weren't doing anything. (laughs) There's a girl who doesn't quite believe what's happening until she realizes it's Nancy Drew. Then it all makes sense. Nancy says, I'm sure that that fire was set deliberately. And Mr. Skank says, what? What? I was so sure Mr. Skank was in on this whole crime. That's just a way to skank shame. The firemen show up and they're like, Well, someone deliberately soaked costumes in oil and piled them up and then started the blaze. (laughs) To which a young woman cries out, How wicked! (laughs) Don't just strong arm your way into this book. (laughs) You're not a part of this. People now follow Nancy around. Just start trying to get one line out. (laughs) The firemen agree that the fire was of an incendiary nature. I I clearly do not understand that word because, yeah, I would assume. (laughs) Mr. Skank says, I understand there's a gang of firebugs around here. I'm inclined to think those bad boys are responsible. Mr. Skank is involved in something that we... We don't get involved. I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> yeah. The whatever the mystery yeah. of the gang of firebugs is doesn't involve us. Rest of rehearsal is canceled, and Nancy says to Ned, "I'm glad to go. I couldn't have possibly rehearsed my part. All I want to do is get home and shampoo my hair." Then she changed the subject. Yep, back to the mystery, guys. If the arsonist was Gus, why do you think he did it? And why did he take such drastic measures? That seems like the same question twice, Nancy. <laughs> She's had a big day. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Ned reminded Nancy that a person with Gus's reputation was unpredictable. unpredictable. When they tell Carson what happened, he ups it from I don't like it to I don't like what's going on. I, I think that we do need to make 
like a terror alert level of what how does Carson feel about any given situation so we can always tell our fans like oh we're on terror alert level I don't like it at all now we take a break for a little bit of advertising <laughs> Nancy and her father ate some cookies and coke oh coca-cola oh okay Ned and Carson exchange a very judgmental conversation I'd say Gus is lucky to be out of prison man the things he pulled even as a kid I don't see how his parents stood it and Gus was pretty cool about it all I'd say the guy is an egomaniac and I'd say you should stick to lawyering because you are no psychologist Carson Drew and I'd say that yeah he seems pretty cool as they're talking uh, after Ned leaves diary is stolen right from under Nancy and Carson's noses from inside the house that seems no more protected at this point than it has been so far they said Someone got in here somehow. Carson sets his jaw firmly. They find a wide open attic window, at which point Carson says, only a human fly could climb up here on the outside. They run over to the window and Nancy sees, but dad, a natural ladder made of vines and stout trellis. To which her father remarks, he's still a human fly. (laughs) It's a bad metaphor, Nancy. Carson the next morning boards up the windows. Nancy is glad he didn't remove the vines. The ivy looks so pretty. Mm -hmm. We we don't care about safety. Just keep our pretty ivy, right? I I feel that though. Later as she was clearing the table, Nancy realized that actually she was not very safe from her pursuer. Yeah, because then they just leave her alone at home. She does feel safer once she's locked in her car with air conditioning, Carl. Whoa. When the heck did she get air conditioning? Living it up. I know. Oh. At the same time, she got a rec room. While she was gone, five more cats were stolen. One perpetrator had golf shoes on. I think Barty's back. Yeah, probably someone was trying to open a chest. She's got a new steady. Bess and George come back. Hi, they both said. <sighs> See what happens when we're not here to guard the garage. Cats just go missing. Bess is very sheepish because she had said she wasn't going to stay in the garage again but now guilted into it she says oh i will and nancy says you're dolls both of you but i'm sleeping in the yeah, house, I'm sleep in the house. <laughs> she got a really nice serta in there yeah she treats them like dolls memory They're foam like part of her mystery pack right <laughs> so now it's off to the cat show miss carter gives them all sorts of instructions about how to take care of the cats and off they go george says we always have cats at my house they certainly never get all this attention the sign reads lovable companions decorative purebred persians pretty quickly abatha wins best in show that's a cat to be clear rosamond gets first place also a cat and all the others get second place all cats is that how this works i have no idea how cat shows work because best in show seems the same as first place a bunch of cats getting second place makes no sense and then they just sell them all george has the bright idea of raising all the prices with abatha being the most expensive since she's best in show how many things do you go to where you first compete and then sell the things that competed unfortunately they are not selling these cats because the man in booth 30 really undercutting them is undercutting them so george goes to investigate she comes back and she says those are the stolen cats and they were sure george was right and they decided to go look this guy he won't show them the papers for the cats can we see the pedigree papers why don't you believe i have them i'm from the place how would you question me my boss told me to be here 
walks away and says, I strongly suspect he's a phony. It wouldn't hurt to call the police. If the man has nothing to hide, he won't be in trouble. But if he's the thief, because that's how freaking police work, It's become so clear Mm -hmm. that at this cat show, this man has basically showed up with like a folding table, a trench coat full of cats, and a sweaty demeanor. Like, Like everyone else is like pedigrees. And he's just like, I've got cats. He's clearly seen no sun ever. He's He's just just pale. He like, you can't tell how twitchy he is because the cats are moving under the coat. (laughs) The police show up and they're not too happy. Something about Nancy demanding a pedigree scared the guy off. Apparently he immediately said, all these cats cost a dollar or something. (laughs) Take them, please. Please take these cats. So I just want to get inside this guy's head. Because the man steals very expensive cats, then goes to the very niche place where people would know about these cats, and by virtue of having stolen them, sells them for much less than he could if he just put an ad on Craigslist that said, stolen cats can't have pedigree, but very good. Nancy was sure that the detectives felt that a hoax had been pulled on them. They get calls from a lot of girls at cat shows. Now listen, young lady, don't you know it's a serious offense to bring out police on a wild goose chase like this? And Bess rushes to Nancy's defense. Nancy has done nothing wrong. She's an amateur detective. Amateur detective? If there's one thing I don't need, it's an amateur detective. Nancy was stung by those remarks. Oh, wait a minute. Somehow she must prove to these men that she was not faking. Luckily, there's an eyewitness. The woman in the next booth. She's like, where'd that guy go? The sweaty guy? The sweaty steely guy? The sweaty steely guy with all the stolen cats? Well, after he took the stolen cats and sold the stolen cats for less than cats should be sold for, probably because they were so stolen. He's very sweaty. He left, saying something about being a thief? Why, does that help? Nancy was so appreciative of the woman's assistance, she could have kissed her. Very good self-control from Nancy. So when the woman notices that the police also are interested in her statement about the steely guy, she says, everything I've just said is true. Besides, I can easily believe that man is a thief. He acted very odd right from the beginning. Shifty-eyed and sort of scared and wouldn't let the judges look at his Persians. Even the cats didn't seem to like him. He was having a hard time with them. Which is just like a weird grab bag of some person. This is what I'm talking about. It's so and... like this woman has so much. <laughs> I can just imagine this woman with her authentic tabbies side-eyeing this man and being like, I hate these sweaty, steely men. <laughs> the taller detective has been rightly chastised. To Nancy, he says what the police so often will say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were kidding us. I guess we're kind of rough on people sometimes. <laughs> Nancy manages to sell a cat. George sells a few cats, but there's still Abatha. Nobody wants to pay that extra high price for the best-in-show cat. So bad comes up with the brilliant salesman technique of holding the cat and petting it. It's like maybe if people see how a cat is operated. Lest you think that Tommy is the worst kid you've ever met. Y'all remember Tommy. In the Nancy Drew universe. A little boy stops by and his pockets were stuffed with boxes of popcorn and candy. In one hand he carried a curled up paper whistle. He walked close to the cat and gave a great blow on the whistle. Not only did it make a loud noise but the curled up section flew out at the little animal and hit it in the face. Oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> this 
cat immediately somehow jumps what looks to be in the pictures 10 to 20 feet onto the beams. <laughs> we don't know what kind of structure this is. Up till now, I was in like imagining a tent. In the pictures, we get these cross beams that it's climbed up onto and they're thick. Maybe more like a state fair and barn. And multiple. Like something. it has to be a barn. So immediately, Nancy seeing the cat up on the beam says, there's only one thing left to do. I'm glad I wore pants and proceeds to climb up onto these tall ceiling beams. So many things that could be done. Bess is in absolute panic and I would be too if I saw my friend ever try to attempt this. She wails, oh Nancy, please come back. Oh Nancy, that's too dangerous. The cat isn't worth it. Please come back. Nancy assures her she'll be all right. Most of the story we get of Nancy rescuing this cat happens while she's up in the beams, right? Mm -hmm. So she's shimmying, she's scooting. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I just realized is at some point she had to climb straight up like she was i was gonna say mulan but yeah a human <laughs> fly straight up these beams Bess had turned her back on the scene she was ashen her lips were moving and george assumed she was praying for nancy's safe return like harry potter and the sorcerer's stone snape doing spells at harry as his broom tries to throw him and hermione lighting his robes on fire so he'll stop and it turns out he was just doing safety spells the whole time <laughs> So Nancy up on the beam. Come, pussy, she coaxed. Nobody's going to hurt you. <laughs> this cat responds to this by backing away further. Oh, you meanie. <laughs> yes. So some gentleman has the brilliant idea of throwing a fishnet up. Why there's a fishnet in a cat barn, I'm not sure. And why they think it's a good idea to throw this hunkin' big fishnet up to a woman on a beam, I'm also not sure. But the men take turns until one of them successfully gets it up to Nancy. Hey, I've got a bad idea. <laughs> and then all the other guys were like, that seems like a fun game. The onlookers began to gather and offer all kinds of advice. Most of the men urged Nancy to go on, but to be careful. And the women begged for her to come down. We're seeing this emerging theme of the Bess and Hannah feminine types being like, no, 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 come back down. And the Carson and Ned types to be like, it's okay as long as you're careful. At this point, catching the net, Nancy almost falls. People <sighs> below gasped. George goes, oh, no, no. Others screamed. Nancy herself had been terrified for a fraction of a second. It's like an hour Nancy time. But she succeeds in uh, trapping this cat. The men are clapping. Bravo, bravo. And the children are relieved. Yay, yay. The picture is taken of her up there with the cat. Nancy did not relish this publicity. This it's, isn't for skin diving. I'm in my pants. <laughs> uh, are you related to the famous lawyer, Carson Drew? Oh dear, she thinks. This whole adventure has been such a mess. Which, I mean, I feel like the outcome is pretty alright. She didn't die. I guess she doesn't know that yet. She's still up there. She doesn't know if she's gonna die. Yeah, it's true. She literally throws this cat down. Cats can survive incredibly high falls. Up to 32 stories with only a collapsed lung and a chipped tooth. But there is a higher instance of injuries in lower falls because if a cat can reach terminal velocity it will instinctively relax its body and spread out in order to be some sort of parachute for itself <laughs> at a low enough height the cat will tighten its muscles to turn itself onto its feet at a height of roughly four to seven stories 
The cat doesn't know which to do, and it gets messed up. Cat is fine, though. It's fine. Nancy is also fine. She does reach the ground, and she's showered with congratulations. She you says, did it. thanks a lot, and she blushes bright red. George decides to start a bid for the spunky animal. I want that cat. How much? And George says, the price is higher now. <laughs> like you can say it's a high price, or you can say what the high price is. But don't say, oh, now that you want it, it's more. Yeah, they end up getting three times the original price for this cat, and Nancy is not sure this is the right thing to do. Bess reassures her, though, that the price was always too low to begin with. The cold hand of capitalism begins to wrap around Nancy's throat as Bess says, no, it's fine. Immediately when they get home, Bess tattles on Nancy to Hannah. That she had climbed all the way up there. Nancy tried to tell the story without that part, which is confusing because how do you explain why George was auctioning the cat without explaining (laughs) that people really wanted to buy a cat that tries to kill itself i don't know yeah toby simpson is in the parking lot of the grocery store when they go to get dinner (gasps) toby simpson from earlier in the book nancy stops him of course he has no idea who she is but it's all established that he will come for a surprise dinner a secret which Bess, as always has difficulty keeping even for the few hours between this time and dinner which nancy is well aware of how short a turnaround time this is and cleverly figures out steak french fries string beans and melons none of these take a long time Bess preps miss carter miss carter is suspicious of all this fuss and Bess does a pretty good job saying don't you think we should celebrate we're gonna celebrate selling your cat for three times what we were gonna sell it for which I think is less than it was worth. So I guess we sold a lot of your cats for less than they were worth. Let's celebrate. Miss Carter says, I do look lovely, don't I? <laughs> like I used to when I played in, and I don't know if you know she played in this, <laughs> The Dancer <laughs> and the Fool. They have set it all up. They've mm-hmm. dimmed the lights in the dining room so she's not going to notice the extra place. They put her in the living room and they wait for Toby to get there and then they just like let him in there with her and like stay out of there. And I imagine it gets wild. Toby. Toby, you've come back to me. I mean, they are actors, Carl. Bess, I'm so happy I could burst. George, I feel pretty good about the whole thing myself. So dinner comes and all the joy is sort of getting a little deflated by Toby regretting his life decisions. He says, I played the part of the fool in the story for so long. I guess I just lived the part in my everyday life. How long was this play running? Reader, he chose his career over Miss Violet and did not marry her. Bess's response is, it's not too late. Her remark was so unexpected that there was dead silence for several seconds. Bess, embarrassed, apologized profusely. But Toby, with more in common with Miss Carter than he would have realized, decides to enable Bess's bad behavior by saying, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll marry her. Sure. You've said the very thing I wanted to hear. There's no better time to propose than when someone else is like, were you proposing or what? Now there was real rejoicing. This engagement was so rushed that Carl didn't even realize they were engaged. It wasn't until later when he's like, I'm carrying my bride upstairs. I'm like, my bride-to-be. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, what? what? When did this happen? Everyone goes to bed. Nancy can't sleep. She hears some tapping. She taps in uh, Morse code to this strange tapper who says in Morse code, try to catch me. And I believe she says, are you Gus? 
Ross Woonton? There is no reply. Later, Miss Carter, who's apparently not a detective, <laughs> says, Oh, he didn't reply? That proves it isn't him. Nancy did not think that was true. Nancy could not agree. Nancy decides to run all over the place, trying to meet the challenge of try to catch me. George says, let's face it, the tapper is really cool. I know she's just trying to be like, he's gotten past us, but it sounds like George is like on board. This tapper's rad. They discover Fred Bunce, fully dressed and unconscious in the driveway. They bring him to his house and the wife immediately thinks he's dead. She's glad he's not dead, but begins giving the third degree to Nancy. What the heck happened? And Nancy doesn't want to answer. So she's just like, "You aren't you glad we found your husband? He either fell or something <laughs> hit him. And to herself, she says, or somebody. George says afterwards, neither of the Bunces sounded very grateful. And I think we're seeing this pattern of George very much caring about gratitude. At this point, Nancy gets a call from the doctor. Yeah, I know Gus. Is he smart enough to know Morse? He says, I'd say Gus is too bright. Gus Wooten, one of the three pudgy men, was at a psychiatric hospital? Called the Beverly. He was so smart that it caused him to be restless and uncontrollable. Gus has a theory. Maybe somebody drops him from a helicopter and he comes down the chimney like Santa Claus. Nancy says it's possible. My question is, what, what do you do? You mean a whirly bird? Oh, Beth? she means a whirly bird. Well, unfortunately, all those papers that Nancy never got around to reading are gone now. Because somehow, one of three pudgy men can always access any part of this house. George is doing some investigating, trying to check behind a beam, and this is so freaky. It's a terrifying scene where you know something really bad has happened to her but because her hands are out of your view, you have no idea what happened to her. So she sticks her hand into the crevice and something happens. She screams. There's pain. She says, quick, it's killing me, which isn't even like George. She's usually calm as a cucumber. Even the concept chills me to my core mm -hmm. of sticking my arm elbow deep into an unknown space. Yeah, yeah, right? A mouse, a spider, but a businessman who wants to shake my hand. I don't care. I hate it. In this case, it's a brand new mouse, mouse trap. trap. No doubt set up by Gus Wooten for this very purpose to hurt no. anyone who should put their arm in here. It didn't have bait. <laughs> no bait. Incidentally, I don't see how any mice could get into that room downstairs anyway three pudgy men at any time bess is angry he has an evil mind that evil man put it in there hoping to harm somebody says mrs beeling george insists on taking care of herself which really means mrs beeling and hannah take care of her and put witch hazel on her we keep being told throughout this mystery that this villain is evil and this mystery is puzzling and in the end the man is not evil and the mystery was not puzzling. <laughs> With Mrs. Beeling's witch hazel, it brought us back to this question of does Nancy react to the market or does the market react to Nancy? Do people read this book and run out and get witch hazel or is witch hazel in this book because it was a popular medication at the time? When I'm pretty sure my initial question was 
did people used to eat way more peas? What? Or was Nancy trying to get people to eat way more peas than they ever had? In the same way Popeye was trying to get us to eat our spinach, right? Oh yeah, big spinach really had a big part of Popeye. Nancy calls the doctor at the Beverly again and finds out that Gus does know Morse. He learned it in craft shop. <laughs> Please tell me why you're asking me this. Nancy gives this background. Hey, you know, there's a guy who was in your hospital. He was institutionalized. He used to live here he was kept as a prisoner in a tiny apartment that was walled off in this house and now he's been periodically living inside and outside of this house while menacing everyone who lives here to which the doctor says well that's a unique situation <laughs> i feel like that is the practiced response of a man who does not want liability it also doesn't know if nancy's in her right mind <laughs> like okay that sounds kind of paranoid people living in your walls and there was a mouse trap <laughs> so the police are sick or on vacation or something so they can't help and they say to nancy hire a private detective nancy doesn't think the police are serious enough about this they will still check on the rounds but no 24-hour stakeout and she makes a point of miss carter not being able to afford the private detectives and this is the hellscape you know, that Anne Rand libertarians would have us live in. You know that Nancy will not shell out those dollars. Nancy doesn't believe in charity. She believes in um, paying her back for those dresses. She believes we girls will just have to do it ourselves. By which she means, see ya guys, I'm going to rehearsal. Good I'm luck. taking Hannah with me. Yes, Hannah wants to ride with her. You've had so many narrow escapes. I want to keep you from any more danger. Nancy, you're such a dear. Uneventful drive to... <laughs> town nancy feels bad i'm afraid i cheated you out of some excitement nobody followed us or tried to harm either of us at all taking ned's place tonight yep she's the hot date she's gonna watch her rehearse she insists on sitting in the second row nancy says don't sit in the second row the The orchestra orchestra may make you deaf i have been in enough plays to know that this next attempt on nancy's life has got to be the most toothless nancy comes in for her share of praise Nancy's on stage doing her tap a tap. Behind her, there is a stage wall. And they say this isn't a wall on a fly. It's specifically one of the walls that has those weights on the back of them. I've seen them as big metal weights or even sandbags. Either way, while she's tap dancing, it begins to teeter and fall towards her. Nancy's wearing an adorable, like, moo-moo. In the picture, the wall has fallen to such an angle that it must be an inch from her head. But she is still just standing there. The wall is falling from off stage onto stage as if they made a lot of scenery for what you wouldn't see and also faced it not at the audience but at the actors what i do know is that if the weights aren't on the back of one of these walls they are not heavy they are not weight bearing if you pushed one over it it doesn't even make a big sound the air will get caught it'll go foof the only way you can even tip it over is if you take the weights off because the weights are by design so low in the center of gravity tipping it over with them on is like tipping over a a weeble wobble anything falling from the fly system could be incredibly dangerous simply by virtue of them messing with the weights on the flies but anything sitting on the ground isn't going to be dangerous simply by the virtue of why would they make it dangerous so like very low stakes on this one she says to herself he's really dangerous Later, an involuntary shiver went down her spine as she thought of perhaps meeting him face to face. I like that implies the existence of voluntary shivers. (laughs) Nancy is hungry. So she suggests finches. You know finches. Everyone who is in River Heights knows finches. But 
says Hannah. Finch's is a place for young people. We've all heard the radio ads. Yes. Come down to Finch's. It's real good. Finch's is a place for young people. Nancy reassures her, there's always room for you with this young person. We meet Roscoe, who serves them up in a jiffy. Two vanillas with fudge sauce and some of the good cookies. They keep those in the back. Roscoe tells her that the police are looking for her to ID a burglar. He tells her, eat up, you'll need your strength to face that burglar. Roscoe absolutely has the vibe of someone who won a sweepstakes to be in the book. Nancy does go into the police station to identify this person. This guy is pudgy too. Nancy does not recognize him, but I don't know whether or not he is the off-screen pudgy guy that ends up being arrested. Nancy, thinking he's not the guy she's looking for, but still thinks maybe it would help the mystery to know if he knows morse code she recommends that they try morse code on him and see if he responds specifically doing morse code in front of him and making a mistake to see if he instinctively corrects them anyone who knows morse code they would have to correct anyone else who makes a mistake carson has discovered that mr and mrs wooten are dead they died in an accident and there is a mr bunce who is the executor wait a minute mr bunce fred bunce the neighbor could there be a connection nancy concocts a ruse she has hannah call with a deep voice say i'm coming to see you she figures that it's not too late to call because it's only 11 p.m so hannah says this thing is getting so mixed up i can't make head nor tails of who's who or what's what nancy says i feel the same way yeah nancy drew audience stand in on this one george and bess let nancy know nothing happened overnight but the bunces didn't sleep they kept turning off and on all their lights and nancy says hmm maybe my clever ruse worked i should go talk to them and she decides 10 o'clock is late enough to go talk to them so i say to hope i go it was just 11 this doesn't make any <laughs> sense and i was like carl i think it's 10 in the morning just like use military time nancy i i don't know what's happening story short they find out that the bunces packed all their stuff into boxes put it all into their car and left the neighbor saw the whole thing it was the weirdest just the weirdest darndest least plausible (laughs) most unlikely thing and let me tell you all about it so i remember it the license plate that is because the letters in that license plate happen to be my initials and the numbers well the numbers themselves are the reverse of those on my car and the numbers on my car i remember because if you add them together that's actually the number that's the square root of the number that was my address when i was a child and of course the street i lived on is an anagram for funny tapper didn't you say you were doing a tapping mystery anyway that's why i remember and it makes perfect sense so nancy tells her dad oh dad we've missed again she suggests they should have the police stop the bunces which carson says remember we have nothing but suspicions as for stopping the couple on the road i have no right to ask for this what (laughs) suddenly we care who died and made the fourth amendment all of a sudden when she gets back to miss carter's house bess needs to go marketing which (laughs) confused carl okay now listen i mean (laughs) ned is an insurance i guess it (laughs) makes some sense in this chapter something or somebody is in the attic and they're making queer sounds and they're in the mummy case what if it's a person if you thought this turducken of a mystery wouldn't have a tiny little pigeon on the inside you were wrong because here's another mystery the cat is trapped in the mummy case (gasps) 
Miss Carter, every day this mystery becomes more of a puzzle. You girls are doing a good job, but I wish that the unwanted stranger would stop coming into the house. <laughs> you ladies are really doing a fine job living at my house, eating my food, running around in the middle of the night, and trying to solve the mystery of who taps. But I hate that home intruder. <laughs> like, yeah! Oh, there are such wicked people in this world. Who have put a cat in a mummy case out of spite. As it turns out, Mrs. Beeling accidentally closed the cat in the mummy case. But who brought the cat inside? Uh, it was Bess. They find out that the Bunce car is registered to Gus Woonton. And importantly, the mummy case was used in the play <laughs> The Dancer and the Fool. Nancy sat lost in thought for some time. She found this a very puzzling mystery. When she goes back, Bess senses at once she's discouraged. So she's like, let's go up to the attic and try on clothes. Clothes trying on montage. God. She asks for permission to try on the clothes and Miss Carter says, her figures aren't exactly the same. Now I this think is to Bess. Almost yeah. offended that Bess thinks she can fit into the same clothes. So instead, Bess just holds the dresses up to herself. And is absolutely equally happy. This is when we get some history of what it was like to be an actress. We find out about such plays as... Three votes for Mary. She played a person exaggerating about her friend. We <laughs> find out about her part as a boy soldier. <gasps> now you're wondering, how in the theater magic did that work? They gave her a hat for her hair. And as for her voice, she merely moved her lips while a young man off stage said the line. Bess decides that whoever's coming up through the window must be a monkey. George adds, who can open windows? True of most monkeys. Nancy has a plan. What Nancy's going to do is she's going to take a cord and she's going to tie it to the window. And then she's going to run that cord from the attic, <laughs> down the stairs, into her room, and attach it to a bell. And as you can imagine, a cord that must be 50 to 60 feet long is going to make quite a racket when moved three or four feet on one end by an opening window. Such a racket that that bell is going to wake up Nancy in the middle of the night with plenty of time to get upstairs and discover who this man is. A man sneaking in through a window that Nancy could have just slept near. This bell is so loud that he hears it, it scares off the man opening the window. He's on the roof. He By the chimney bush. where he disappears. So maybe it is Santa Hope. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Nancy thinks... To herself, it might not be too late to reform Gus as the police do the once-over all over the house. I don't know. Maybe he's a good guy. Nancy has to leave, but to allay the women's fears, she says that he's not coming back. Deep in her heart, she did not believe it. Yeah, Nancy lied. Lying, basically. Yeah, yeah. To allay the fears of the reader, it's made clear that she's going to church! While she's gone, Mrs. Carter promises to entertain the girls with humorous lines from plays she's been in. I assume the dancer and the fool. Bess replies with a giggle, patronizingly, that'll be great. <laughs> So Nancy can't sleep that night. The mystery had begun to disturb her. And in the morning, she has a quick little conversation with Mrs. Beeling. About how often she goes to church. Suddenly, she asked Nancy, do you always go to church? With all the verve and vigor of someone wanting to know if you're saved. <laughs> 
as often as I can, says Nancy. Mrs. Peeling says, that's nice. And that's the conversation. So here's where the book really makes up for the lack of food in the last several books, because there is an entire chapter of food. Nancy goes home having eaten breakfast. Hannah insists she have a second breakfast of homemade coffee cake, which mm. is marvelous. Then when they come home for church, they have dinner, a roast lamb, mm. mashed potatoes, fresh peas. More peas! And strawberry shortcake. Marvelous dinner, says Mr. Drew. Hannah prepares a cold supper of all the boys' favorite foods. Chicken sandwiches, sliced tomatoes, and apple pie with ice cream. Perfect, says Nancy. She doesn't seem like it would travel well. That was literally just all in a row. It's three or four paragraphs. Arson finds out that bunts, the money, and the stocks and bonds have vanished. And Nancy wonders, like we all do, why bunts didn't just skedaddle, go hide. Yeah, he does his crime. He made a bunch of money off of the wounds. Now, Tommy comes back. He runs into the house and he says, I saw a man go running from your garage and now I can hear something ticking. Maybe, maybe it's a bomb. Carson immediately yells, it could be a bomb. You'd better stay here. Oh, dad, please. You mustn't run into danger either. So they both run. I think it's very big of Nancy to say that her convertible isn't worth risking <laughs> Carson's life over. Dad, don't risk your life over the convertible. Dad will just buy you a new one. <laughs> In the end, everything's okay. Carson defuses the bomb because a few years ago, he took some instruction in deactivating bombs. Yeah, just in case. Which means like he kind of knew what he was doing running into that situation, but Nancy did not. She should not have done that. Did he know how to deactivate bombs before even the secret of the old clock? Like how long has he been ready to be a famous detective? You know what I'm saying? Hard to tell, isn't it? I, I like to think that like there was a time when he worked as such a grizzled PI. Bombs were something he would regularly encounter and now it's just like all estate sales and stuff yeah he's so good at this he just swings that bomb into the yard <laughs> it gets deactivated by rolling tommy complains hannah wouldn't let me come out and see the fun and carson says she did the right thing tommy could not give a very detailed description of whoever mm -hmm. dropped the bomb off what happened to the kid who knew that the man was wearing yellow had a yellow hat and was very poor nancy says you're a brave little detective tommy maybe someday you and i can solve a big case together. Tommy says that would be groovy. Carson has a hot take. Anyone who plants a bomb should be listed on the police blotter and a hunt for him started. I'm not even pro-cop and I don't a hundred percent disagree. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah probably don't plant bombs. <laughs> like, if I was choosing things that society didn't allow that would That'd be, <laughs> be on there. there yeah. be on there. Ned says, you don't seem to be safe anywhere. And Nancy says, now, Ned, I always get out of these scrapes, don't I? Look at this food. <laughs> Changes the subject. Master of distraction, Nancy Drew has chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Ned says, that's enough food to feed an army. Hannah, I know you boys. I bet there won't be a crumb left. And Ned says, we'll do our best to make your prediction come true. <laughs> Not the first time that a woman has said to Ned, like, this is my prediction. And Ned took that as, I have to do the work to make that happen yeah he consistently does that right yeah we find out that dave prefers dogs and uh, ned and bert don't care about cats at all because they're men hope this is bert's big moment though bert discovers there are holes on the side of the chimney that you could stick your feet on if you were wearing cleats and there are matching gloves basically he solved the mystery of the fly man and he is a human fly that's all it takes bess was pretty proud of her date for discovering this wouldn't you be <laughs> i'm proud of dave 
right now. It was very intelligent. Best proud of her date's discovery tucks her arm into his and leads him into the house because Bert just earned a little bit of affection. They discover a chest inside of a chest with the silver nameplate Lunton, conveniently. Unlocked already, conveniently. It has a quantity of beautiful jewelry, several carefully wrapped, priceless figurines but this is a believable treasure yeah nancy doesn't have to explain to everyone that this is treasure yeah. uh, as she often does it's so weird that they just this is like the one place in the attic that they just hadn't looked and we just have to accept that they all split up and each guard a floor for the night ned and nancy take the attic because they think that's the most likely mm-hmm. and uh ned as he secrets himself away has a secret wish doesn't he wish he gets to tackle gus wounden he's really hoping i hope i get to bite gus I hope he's strong. I hope he has big metal muscles. He gets his wish. In the middle of the night, Gus does break in to get the chest. He gets caught. He gets tackled. And everyone joins him in the attic to say, let's talk to Gus. Promises not to fight. And he cooperates. Nancy's like, do your confession. And Gus says, you're so good at figuring things out. Why don't you try to guess how I did it? And she does. She guesses how he did it using the discovery that Bert and Bess were downstairs celebrating. And Gus says, girls aren't supposed to be so bright. Sullenly. Nancy could not keep from laughing. And Ned remarked, Gus, I think you'll have to change your mind on that one. If this were a sitcom, that'd be like the great laugh out. Like, ah, ha, 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 ha. So as they interrogate Gus, he says of his crimes... It seemed like fun at the time. Now, no doubt, I'm wanted by the police for breaking in here and burglarizing the place. <laughs> Gus didn't steal the cats. He did take the papers. He did trail Nancy. He hit Ned. He uh, was the strange tapper and tapped in Morse code, catch me if you can. He used to get locked in the secret room by his guardians. Nancy pauses at this point to get George and Bert, and then the confession was resumed. He took his grandmother's items. He just found out his parents are dead i'm sorry i was such a problem to them he doesn't know uh, anything about bunts and calls him an old cheat he didn't know that the car he rented was stolen nancy thinks he should use morse for a steady income and uh, then everyone leaves <laughs> i'd like to add to this montage of confession ned's little confession i sure enjoyed tackling gus wounton <laughs> proud of you ned i'm proud of you for acknowledging that I hope we see in the future uh, you tackle more men, maybe even consensually. Even though Gus is fairly clear that he did a bit of the crimes and not all of them, everyone's like, well, this seems like the end of the book. And now, if you're in Nancy's world, do not leave until you see her glassy-eyed hoping for a new mystery. That's when it's the end of the yeah, book. Yeah. So they take Gus. They're going to take him to the police. Everyone leaves. Nancy decides... Oh, I heard a noise upstairs. She goes and discovers a hidden staircase. One of the many ways that Gus got around the house was a hidden staircase that made no sense. And that's why Nancy was like, I, I'd like to go see where it exits. I, she literally goes in there and finds like snacks stored away. And like, it was just like, oh, this is just where Some Gus sandwiches. like, yeah, yeah, this is just where like Gus sat on the stairs, ate and farted. Like that's what this room is. And as she exits... She gets... Bound and gagged. The whole Nancy Drew package. She is panicking. She's kicking and yelling. But she knows nobody's home. Who should hear the Nancy tap when she is the one who taps? Luckily for her, her friends come back and save her. George is very angry. Who did this to you? She's so happy that her friends came back to save her. And she says to them, How did you know? How did you know I was in danger? <laughs> and they're like, Well... So Bess forgot her bag. <laughs> 
and that's all. That's, that's it. But I just forgot her purse. But we're glad you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> it really undercuts some of the romantic beauty of them saving her, I think. And this is one of those rare moments when we get to see Ned caring for Nancy and that it is now the assumption that as her boyfriend, he will care for her, carries her to the couch. He says to her, if you would like to tell us, it would be great to know, but you don't have to until you're ready. She says, please get me some water. He gets her water. And they get the phone call while Gus was being transported to the police station. Two more pudgy men were arrested. Fred Bunce and a pal of his were caught on the driveway. <laughs> Running away, having knocked out Nancy and tied her up. A thing they do with no explanation. Turns out the pals stole the cats. Bunce made the call to Nancy. The best part is when Nancy says to the police officer on the phone, Oh, so were they also the ones who planted the bomb, knocked the scenery over on the stage, started the fire, and tried to kidnap me? And the cop goes, They did all those things to you? <laughs> First of all, the assumption that they did. Hold the phone a minute. <laughs> she just sits there on hold. Well, I assume he goes to them wagging finger first. Did you do those things? Yeah. A very long minute. He comes back. Yeah, that, that was also them. We got him. Nancy was also right. Bunce had a skeleton key. But there's one more mystery to solve. Why was there a tapper? A strange tapper. Was Gus tapping Morse code to scare people? No. Was he doing it because he was a nut? No, not really. Was he upstairs tapping to confuse them? No. In fact, Gus says, I never tapped upstairs. So who was the tapper? Miss Carter, apparently, her guilt. <laughs> pleasure is to put her tap shoes onto her hands and tap on her headboard. Nancy says, I'm glad you have fun with your tap shoes. Now that your secret is out, I guess the whole mystery is solved. Why didn't she tell them that? Why would you specifically hire someone to find a tapper? Who is you half the time? Oh my gosh. I, maybe she just wanted someone to sell her cats. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just surprised that there ends up being anything to this mystery. She's just lonely. Right. The core of this mystery is her tapping. Mm. The only time that Gus taps is to talk in Morse code. Mm. Something he only did because Nancy friggin started it even miss carter and mrs billing come to see nancy's play <laughs> yes nancy is so surprised she almost forgets her lines her few lines but her dancing is so good that she specifically has to do an encore after the play is done i don't know when that happens <laughs> Nancy decides in her encore to tap in Morse code. After first asking the orchestra to shut up, she says, No music, I'm gonna tap some Morse code. If anyone can read this, tell me if you have a mystery for me to solve. Immediately, a man in the audience stands up, a young soldier. You were tapping in code! And I know what you said. Nancy taps again in a wild whirlwind of tapping conclusion. I'll take your case. Come backstage and tell me more. I just imagine his friend sitting next to him going, Don, this has to be part of the show. This does not involve you. Stop. Sit down. Don, sit down. <laughs> it's not Morse code. You hear this all the time, Don. It's stop it. He accidentally volunteered, and now he has to come up with a mystery. And it's the mystery of the brass-bound trunk, which apparently he named himself. He doesn't get to do that. He's this, probably the villain. This guy's got a lot of explaining to do, and I look <laughs> forward to it. So we'll see you next time. I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go, Go Wildcats! Wildcats. Tap -a -tap -a -tap -a -tap -a -tap -a <laughs> you 
should learn how to do it in Morse code. We might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime. I have a, we have a, there's a host of video games we can, um, oh, I don't know, put them on our Patreon. Remember to support us at our Patreon. <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our Patreon, River Heights Radio. We'd really appreciate it. Instagram at River Heights Radio. Twitter at River Heights FM. River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, apple podcast or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening yeah if you listen this far i mean why not we actually put a, a lot of hours 